0: So for our message today, I already mentioned it, uh, I think it was in the prayer that I mentioned what we're going to be talking about today, Uh, we're going to be focusing on the topic of prayer. Uh, And I think that this is particularly uh, relevant as we look at prayer, as we look at the importance, the the power uh, of prayer. It's very relevant for, I would say, the times that we're in now. Uh, and and relevant for the times that are coming for the church. I'm going to, in a sense, tie this sermon in as we look at Prayer, as we look at its importance, as we look at its, uh, its power, I'm going to tie this in with last week. So I'm going to try to sort of refresh our minds a little bit. What did we talk about last week? What was the sermon about? Uh, we looked at wisdom, as you may recall, and, and sort of the importance of it. And I sort of talked about how I think uh, the, the world around us, our country, in a lot of ways, lacks wisdom. And, and certainly not just those around the church, but even in the church, there's a great lack of wisdom and I sort of set this talk about this sermon about wisdom in the context of what's going on now, and again, as I talked about, uh, what's sort of coming for the church, just sort of looking at the situation Uh, that we're in all of this turmoil, whether it's the pandemic. And as I said, I know some places getting better, Massachusetts here, things seem to be sort of on the mend, but there are other places where numbers sort of seem to be on the rise. And so in many places, even in our country, it's not like this is done and over with, and we're sort of almost out of it. So you have sort of the pandemic on the one hand. Uh, But then that's not all, but then there's all of the the sort of tension and and anger and frustration and and division in our country, uh, uh, sort of racial division and tension and sort of all that's gone on with that. Uh, And so really our our country is in troubling times right now. And we sort of talked about wisdom in in relation to that and the need for wisdom, but also even sort of looking to the future, particularly as the church here, and sort of recognizing the the trajectory that our country has been on for, for quite some time. Uh, and, and seems to be, certainly God could do anything and change that trajectory, but as things stand, it seems like the church is sort of being marginalized more and more with every passing day, every passing year. Our country seems to be sort of rejecting Christianity, rejecting Christian values, sort of all that we stand for, right, as Christians, it's sort of our country saying, no, 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 uh, that, that we don't believe that stuff. We don't, we don't want that stuff anymore. We're sort of being pushed to the fringes, uh, and so you see that happening in our country. And I would say what we're going to begin to see more and more and more is our, our freedoms infringed upon, uh, that, that the reality is just by virtue of practicing our faith. And this is a reality in, in many parts of the world where just for being a Christian, there's heavy persecution, even to the point of death. And I would say in our country, the way things are headed is that's just going to bit by bit by bit continue to grow and grow. I think I even mentioned as an example, I could see the day in my lifetime, not far off even, in fact, uh, where just to stand for, you know, a traditional view of, uh, of marriage and sexuality to say, you know, homosexuality, this, this, this is wrong, this is sinful, or transgenderism to say this is wrong, this is sinful, just to take that stand and affirm that biblical truth would be labeled a hate crime against someone, right? And and now you're being arrested and brought up on charges just for standing for biblical truth and saying, yes, I still love these people, we're still called to love these people, but, you know, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong, and this is something that Scripture says is wrong. And just for taking that stand, you could be rounded up. I could see that day coming not far off. To some that might seem ridiculous. No, we don't live in that type of world. We have our freedoms. But I'd say, you know, the writing is on the wall and and the way things are headed, the church is just being pushed more and more and more to the margins. And, 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 right, we just need to recognize that reality and say tough times are coming for the church. Not, Not only are we in tough times, and as I said, that calls for wisdom, but I'd say even as we look to the future, tough times are coming as well for the church. And what we need for the times we're in and the times we're headed for is wisdom. That's one of the things we greatly need as a church. But I kind of now want to transition that to this week, and now we're talking about prayer, and sort of tie it in. It's sort of a a central bit of wisdom that we need for the times we're in and the times that are coming is to recognize the importance of prayer at all times, but how much more so in the troubling times that we're in and that we're headed for as the church, right? To recognize there is great wisdom and understanding, right, right. I am a weak person as a human, right? I am limited in my abilities. I am finite in every way, and we are in troubling times and headed for troubling times that are sort of beyond my ability to handle and control and work the way I want, right? And to recognize, and yet God is infinite in power and ability. He's sovereign over it all. And the only logical and wise conclusion is to say, hey, if it's beyond my control, and yet God is all able. The the logical and wise response is to say, I just need to run to the Lord, and in these tough times and the tough times that are coming, the wise response is to say, I need to run to Him and bring these issues to Him, these concerns or any needs or wants or or worries or anxieties. I need to bring these to the Lord and just put it in His hands because he, He is infinitely powerful and able and capable and he is good. And so in these tough times, as we think of wisdom, as we talked about last week, a great bit of wisdom in these tough times that we're in and that we're headed for is to recognize the huge importance and power of prayer and to prioritize that in the Christian life. And so we're gonna take a a look at a bunch of scriptures here. Maybe you've already looked at the bulletin, and you know we always have those written, maybe even mark them in your Bible so you're ready to flip there. We're gonna be looking at a number of scriptures here and really what does the Bible say about prayer? Certainly you could go on and on and do a whole series and, and far more than one sermon on prayer. So it's not like we're gonna touch upon everything the Bible says about prayer, but we're gonna look at quite a bit. And uh, as a starting point, I want to look at three verses. They're, they're pretty quick here, but they all really go together. You might say, Pastor Steve, why pick all three? Is that sort of like redundant? They kind of say the same thing. But I really want to emphasize that, that Scripture hammers home this point uh, that we're going to see in these verses. So first we're going to read 1 Thessalonians, and this is chapter 5, verse 17, and I'll read it for us. 1 Th- Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what it says. Pray without ceasing. And then Romans 12, 12, saying much the same thing, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. And then the last part, be constant in prayer. Then Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, right? What do we see here? Pray without ceasing. Be constant in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, right? Prayer is to be just sort of part of the fabric of the Christian life. It's something that we ought to be doing all day, every day, right? That's the reality, and that's what Scripture says. Pray without ceasing, right? Be constant in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. As as Christians, we should be thoroughly devoted to prayer that, again, it's just sort of part of the fabric of our lives. Uh, It's just sort of what we're doing day in, day out, moment in, moment out, right? And I'd say all too often that's probably not the reality for the American church, Uh, not to say in every other country they have it down pat and have great prayer lives, but I'd say as a whole the American church struggles a little bit in prayer. And I'd say a lot of it's sort of part of our culture. Uh, we're very much sort of have this mindset of independence, self-sufficiency, sort of like, if we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, like, we got it, we can tackle it, we can handle anything. We just sort of apply ourselves, and in our human strength, we can accomplish whatever we want and face anything we want. It's certainly this value to sort of a, a good, you know, work ethic, being hard working, sort of, you know, you see a problem and a desire to sort of tackle it and apply yourself and there's value to that, but there can be a point in which you, at which you sort of take it too far and it really becomes pride to think that we, sort of these creatures, we're created, right? We, we are limited in power and ability. We are weak. We might think ourselves quite strong, but, but in reality, and particularly if we think of ourselves next to God, we're, we're nothing and, and we are weak, right? That's the reality. And yet there's great arrogance and pride in thinking, hey, whatever comes my way, I got it. I can handle it. No big deal. I can tackle it on my own. And we sort of push God to the side. And I think all too often we sort of bring that into the church. We wouldn't sort of use those words like, God, I don't need you, you know, push you to the side. God, I got this. We wouldn't ever say that. But often our, our actions sort of demonstrate that kind of mindset where sort of things come into life. Maybe it's financial difficulties or, or health issues. And, and at times we may pray, but oftentimes a, a sort of at the core of our our approach is, hey, i got to handle this, you know, i got to handle this financial issue, so I'm going to sort of plan and tackle it, and and through human effort, I can solve that. Or here's this health issue. Well, again, do it all on human strength. It's all go to the doctor and, and do all this. And not that those are bad things. I would say, in fact, those are things that even as you bring it to the Lord in prayer, he would likely call you to do, just to be wise and go to a doctor if you have health issues, to look for a job if you have financial issues, or, and so forth, and to budget. There are wise things that we can do, but fundamentally as Christians, we need to be resting in the Lord and bringing our cares, our concerns, right, our needs, our wants to him, and sort of resting in him, trusting in him, even as he still calls us to do things proactively to, to sort of uh, tackle those issues. Nonetheless, fundamentally, we need to be resting in him. And I'd say sort of As the American church, just being honest about sort of the the sort of natural tendencies of the American church, I'd say we tend to struggle in prayer. That just sort of naturally happens to be one of our areas of weakness. And so I think it's something that we really need to sort of capture a biblical view of, of what prayer ought to look like right and as we looked at here looking at these three verses again it's just it's something we do all day every day that that's what it's supposed to look like in the life of a christian we're just praying all the time and not just because we have something that we need or some sort of care or worry we're kind of going to emphasize that that's sort of going to be a little bit of our emphasis in this sermon but really at the heart of prayer is just having a relationship with god it isn't all about ooh, now I need something, so I should go to the Lord in prayer because, you know, I need something or I'm I'm worried about something, I'm sort of concerned, and so now I'm going to bother to go to the Lord and ask him for something. But, but even this praying without ceasing, being constant in prayer, devoting yourselves to prayer, right? It's more than just that. That's part of it. But, it, you know, we are to be in a relationship with God. It's something he desires for us. It's something we ought to desire to just be in wonderful, uh, deep, intimate relationship with him. And as with any relationship, there ought to be communication. And, and that's what prayer is. It's just coming before God, entering into his presence and, and just sort of communing with him, just fellowshipping with him, just talking with him and listening to him, and that's what prayer is. And part of that is going to be, yes, bringing your requests. Part of it's just going to be praising God and worshiping him. At times, it's going to be confession of sin or thanksgiving and and so forth, right? There are all sorts of different attributes or or qualities to to, to prayer, different points of emphasis. Uh, but, But sort of at the heart, it's just being with God, fellowshipping with him, and talking to him. And so, right? That ought to be part of the fabric of our lives, just this yearning to be with God, to to engage in relationship with Him. And so we ought to be running to Him in prayer all the time, whether we need something or or not. But in particular, for this sermon, I, I sort of want to focus on bringing our requests to God, again, sort of emphasizing the times that we're in, the times that I think really lay before the American church, uh, and that these are times that really call for prayer. These are concerning times as our country's sort of in upheaval in, in all sorts of different ways, whether it's from a virus or from sort of division within the country. Uh, there's all sorts of troubling times and, and upheaval in our country, and just, again, it's a time for bringing requests to God, just coming before him in prayer and saying, this is beyond what I can handle, and just to put it in his hands and say, Lord, bring, bring healing in the midst of, of our country whether it's physical healing from, from the virus or this pandemic, whether it's, it's healing in other ways as we think of the division and bring unity and help people to see truth and, and, and bring wholeness in our country uh, and so forth, or, or looking at the times to come and, and hardship for the church that I really feel strongly is coming just to come before Lord. And even as that's concerning for Christians to say, Lord, just, just be at work in your church equip us in every way for those times so that when those times come and that, that persecution grows, we'll be ready and we can be faithful in the midst of it and honor you and glorify you and still be powerful witnesses for you persevering to the end, right? With all these concerns and all this upheaval and, and all the troubling times that we're in and that lay before us, the natural response is to say, hey, right, this is outside of our control. We need to run to the Lord in prayer and bring it to him. And so we're really going to emphasize that of the, the aspect of prayer that's bringing requests to the Lord. And as we're talking about that, I want to read for us our, ne- our next uh, passage here. This is Philippians it's chapter 4, and it's verses 6 and 7. Certainly well-known verses here. I'll read them for us. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? What is Paul saying here? It's sort of you know, we live in a broken, fallen world. It's natural that things in, in life are going to come up and they're going to cause some concern, a little bit of worry, a little bit of anxiety. And what is Paul saying? He's saying don't, don't hang around stressing about it, fretting about it, worrying about it, but rather what does he say to do? He says run to the Lord, right? We're just to run to the Lord in prayer, put it in his hands, his all capable hands, these things that are beyond our control. If you think about our ability, right? I can't even take another breath if God does not give it to me. I can't continue in this sermon and say one more word if it's not given to me by God. That is my utter dependence uh, that I have as a human being, my utter dependence on God. And so it's foolish for me to say, I can handle anything on my own. I can't even continue to exist on my own. How can I handle anything on my own? But to recognize God is all capable. And so as things come up in life that's beyond our ability to handle, that concerns us, that worries us, well, why should we try to handle it on our own? We who are weak and utterly dependent and incapable, why not wisely put it in the Lord's hands, the one who is all-powerful, all-capable, who is good and loving and is working everything for good for his people? And so instead of as, as concerns happen and sort of come your way in life and you're concerned about something, you're worrying, you're stressing, don't sort of cling to that. Hold, it on, hold on to it yourself and try to deal with it yourself. Paul says, no, 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 just run to the Lord. Don't be anxious about it. Don't fret about it. Don't stress about it. Just go to the Lord in prayer. Put it in his hands. Lay it at his feet. Trust in him that he will handle it, right, in accordance with his will, his plan, his purposes. That doesn't mean it's always going to play out the way we want it, but it's going to play out how he has ordained and how he wills, which is working everything for good for his people, so we ought not to worry about that, but just to lay it in his hands, trust in him, and what will we, we receive? Wondrous and glorious peace. That is what this passage tells us. This is how we are to respond when we are naturally anxious and worried about things. Just to go to God, bring it to him in prayer, put it in his hands, trust in him, and receive wondrous, glorious peace, knowing he's got it. He's in control. Again, that doesn't have to mean that then we do nothing. God may still call us to to, to actively do things other than just praying, but fundamentally we're trusting trusting in the Lord. We're, We're sort of resting in Him, trusting in Him, having laid it in His hands. But now I want to go to our, our next verse that sort of speaks to, to what we're talking about in, in regard to prayer and really bringing our requests to God as, as sort of things come up and, and we might have needs or wants or concerns or anxieties and just sort of running to the Lord, bringing it to Him. And I want to read for us, this is now James chapter 4, and I'm going to read the last part of verse 2 and then I'll read verse 3 as well. And here's what James says. Here's what, how, how these verses read. It says, You do not have... Because you do not ask. Awfully simple, right? You think of, of those James is writing to, and you can imagine some people griping and saying, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, all these things that they'd like to have. And James is saying, you know why you don't have? Because you don't ask, right? All too often in our lives, we're sort of going about things on our own. I'd say we as Americans, again, sort of that. that Independent, self sufficient mindset that Americans tend to have, right? We sort of go about things on our own. We sort of try to tackle everything by ourselves on our own. And all too often we don't have. And the reason we don't have is because we don't ask. We don't bother to ever go before the Lord and say, Lord, you know. Uh, what a blessing it would be to have a, a, a better job that I'd enjoy more and, and pays better so I can provide for my family or, you know, whatever your case is. Or, you know, the, uh, you know, my home, it's just, it's too small or it's old and I'd love to, to move to a new place. Whatever it is, whatever something, whatever might be on your heart, whatever your, your need or want might be, right, all too often we sort of try to accomplish it and acquire it for ourselves. And James is saying, you don't have because you're not bothering just to pause and say, hey, what I really ought to be doing here is just coming before God and saying, God, what a blessing it would be to have this, and Lord, would you give it to me to just come before God and bother to ask him, Lord, you know, I don't know what your plan, what your will is, Lord, but if it be your plan and your will, Lord, please bless me with some job that will pay better so I could provide for my family. I'm not saying that for myself. I'm using that as an example. Or, or a new car because the old one's getting, you know, the, the one I currently have is old, or, or whatever it might be. Bring these requests to God. All too often we don't have because we don't ask and we ought to remember the importance and power of prayer. And as we have needs, as we have wants, just to come before God and say, Lord, if it be your will, please bless me with this. And God delights in answering those prayers, of course, in accordance with his will. And so, as we think about bringing our requests to the Lord, right, in prayer, one of the things we have to realize is, well, all too often, we just don't have because we don't ask. And that ought to be in our minds and say, I need to be doing this. All too often, I don't bring things to the Lord. But not only that, James goes a little bit further here. In verse 3, he says, you ask. Because some, some that he's writing to might say, no, no, that's not true of me. You know, some, they may, maybe don't ask, and because of that, they don't have. But hey, no, I've asked, yet I still don't have. And James says, okay, so I'll address you, that group of people who would say, no, no, I've been asking God for things, but I still don't have. And he says, well, uh, concerning you, he says, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures, right? And I think all too often we're guilty of this. As we come before God, we have some sort of need or want, and often our our sort of mindset is, it's sort of a, a selfish mindset. It's just sort of what's in it for me, you know? Oh, I'd love to have more money, a nice car, a boat, a this, a that, you name it. We want all the possessions and all the things. And so we come before God and we ask him for these things, but there's nothing but selfishness in our hearts. And we're just thinking, "Ooh, I just want all these these luxuries in life and life will be cozy and I'll get to enjoy all these pleasures. And that's our our mindset. That's our motive. And James is saying often, even though you ask, you don't have. Why? Because you're asking with the wrong motive. You're asking with the wrong heart attitude. And so again, as we're thinking about coming before the Lord and, and bringing requests to Him, we need to think of what are our motives, right? Is it just sort of this selfish motive? I just want what I want for my own pleasures, right? Or is it a different type of motive? If you think of asking for possessions, we use the example of a job that pays more or a raise or you name it. Is the mindset just for me, just for myself? Or maybe is it a mindset of I'd love to have more so that I can use all of that that you would bless me with, Lord, just to be a blessing to others, to, to give more toward, toward ministry that, that furthers your kingdom, Lord, or to go and, and give to the needy, right? That's the type of prayer that's characterized by a right motive. Lord, bless me with these things so that I can then go in turn and be a blessing to others and give of all of that freely. That's the type of motive that is a right motive that God delights in and certainly delights in answering those prayers. And I want to use a a little example that I remember. This is from Francis Chan, certainly a well known pastor. Uh, He was giving some sort of talk, uh, some sort of message uh, at a conference. I wasn't at the conference, but it's like on video. You can get the video and and, and watch it. And so I did. Uh, I think we did this for a men's breakfast one time. Uh, And he was talking, he was sort of talking about a a church that he had pastored. And there were a lot of wealthy people in the church. And he was just sort of lamenting the fact that for so many of these wealthy people, it's like, they had no no sense of all of the poverty that was around them and all of the need, and sort of they just hoarded their wealth, they just acquired more and more, and it was just about themselves, and there was a selfish mindset. It's just about having more and more luxurious things in life and living a comfortable lifestyle, all while there were people around who were struggling, who were needy, who didn't have even even basic needs, basic things, and they just didn't seem to care. And even when it came toward giving, toward ministry, giving to the Lord, it was like... They gave the bare minimum rather than giving radically and, and, and just generously to the Lord and in, in service to ministry. And he was just sort of lamenting this and, and, and praying to God and saying, God, God, just change their hearts. Just change their hearts that they, they might see all of, of uh, sort of the, the, the wrongness in their mind and their hearts and their perspective of it's all about me and acquiring more and give them a heart for for the needy, for the poor, for ministry, for church, and supporting it. Just change their hearts, Lord, in that way. And then he said it was almost like it was an afterthought. And then he sort of added in at the end, you know, or or just, Lord, just make me rich, and I'll just give it all away. I'll just, every last penny, I'll just give it all away to those who are in need, to ministry. Uh, And, you know, he didn't really think anything of it at the time, sort of like, yeah, that was just some afterthought. I just kind of tacked that on at the end. You know, that'd be great if the Lord made me rich, and then I could give that all away. And then he goes on and winds up writing this book, doesn't really think that it's going to be a big hit, some bestseller and a moneymaker, and yet that's what winds up, you know, coming about. Winds up being this huge bestseller Christian book. Uh, I think he made, it was several million dollars. I don't remember the exact number that he gave, but several million dollars in royalties. Uh, And before he ever received a penny, he, he sort of remembered what he had prayed and realized God answered that prayer and was making him rich to a degree, certainly a significant degree, uh, and he realized he had promised that he was just going to give away every last penny, every last cent. He wasn't going to hoard it for himself. If God made him rich, he said, I'll just give it all away. And so before he even had uh, one dollar of it, he signed it all away to, to various charities to help the needy uh, in service to, to other ministries and Christian causes and so forth, and just gave it all away. Right, That's what we're talking about here when we look at James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 here, uh, particularly verse 3 here, asking and and all too often having the wrong motive. And that here that we just talked about, that example, that's having the right motive. It's not make me rich so I can just have all this wealth and just hoard it all for myself, And, and it's just this selfish mindset. But no, it's make me rich so I can just give it all away, Lord. Every last penny, just in service to you, your kingdom, to help the poor, the needy, right, just, just to serve you in that way. That's asking for something with the right motive, and the Lord delights in answering those kinds of prayers with the right motive. So even as we come before the Lord, as we bring our request to Him in prayer, we need to think, what's our motive, right? If We want to see our prayers answered as we sort of think of, again, the context of these troubling times that we're in, what lays before us, but even any sort of need or concern, what's our motive in it all? are we asking with pure motives or impure motives? Because if we have the wrong motive, if we're asking wrongly with, the, with an impure motive, don't expect God to answer that prayer, right? But if we have that pure motive, God delights in answering such prayers. But I want to jump to our, our next passage here, and this is Luke. It's from the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 18. You can flip there if you'd like. It's verses one through eight. And as we're talking about uh, bringing our requests to the Lord, we're sort of talking about, well, you know, what should that look like? How do we do that? And one thing we just talked about is, well, we need to think about our motives, right? We need to make sure that as we bring our requests to the Lord in in prayer, as we come before Him in prayer, and we ask for things, that we have a pure motive. And here we're also going to look at sort of what it looks like to bring requests to the Lord. And, And the point here that is being emphasized is being persistent, in prayer, and really specifically about a single prayer item, not just sort of like over the whole of your life, you're just steadfast in, in prayer and all sorts of prayer. This is persistent in prayer over the same singular thing and that we are to do that. It's not like we are to come before the Lord and, you know, we pray for something one time and then we just say, like, God knows. I mean, God knew before you even brought up that first prayer, before you prayed for it the first time. He already knew. But all too often we can kind of pray about something once and it's like, God's got it. He he knows. I don't have to keep sort of bearing my heart to the Lord and, and, and mentioning it time and again. But, but what this passage makes clear, and we'll read it here in just a moment, is God delights in having us persist in prayer over even the same thing time and again, just, just bearing our hearts to him as this something that's just sort of, uh, you know, maybe it's a concern, maybe it's a need, whatever it is, but, but just bearing our heart to the Lord and, and crying out to him in prayer and asking for it time and time again. He delights in us doing that and delights in answering those prayers. And we see that here. Let me read this passage for us, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Right, what's being said? Certainly this is especially in the context of, of sort of crying out for justice. So prayers being spoken of here. The special sort of specific context is sort of coming before God with the, the prayer request of grant me justice, bring justice, right? But, but certainly this applies to all prayer, and in fact the first verse here makes that clear, that it's not just about justice, right? It says Jesus told his disciples a pra- parable to show them they should... Always pray and not give up. So it's not just about the special context here that's justice, but but he uses this example of this widow and this corrupt judge, right? This corrupt judge, uh, you know, he doesn't want to rule in, in, in her favor. He, he doesn't want to grant her justice. He just doesn't care, right? He doesn't, he doesn't fear God. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care what people think. So he's just going to be corrupt and, and, you know, not grant her her wish and, and give her what she wants and give her justice. But she just sort of keeps hounding him and hounding him and hounding him. And so finally it's like, you know, even if it's just for his own sake so that he doesn't have to be bothered by her anymore or that she won't do anything further, as he says, you know, eventually come and attack me, right? It's just she keeps hounding me, keeps bothering me, so you know what? I'll just give her what she wants. I'll just give her what she's asking for, which is justice, of course, in this case. And the point is, if a wicked judge will give a person what they want when they hound time and again for it, and in this case it's justice that's being spoken of, how much more will God do the same when his people, whether it's in the context of justice or something else, some other prayer request, as we come before God time and again, he's just, he is good, he is loving. If, if a wicked judge will give people what they want just because they're hounded, how much more so as we come before God time and again and just sort of bare our hearts, bring our, the, the same request to God time and time again, how much more so will he delight in answering that prayer whether it's for justice in him granting that or something else and that's the point that we are to persist in prayer it's not like you know oh we go before the lord once and bring our request and hey he knows that's all i don't need to do that but no god wants us to be crying out to him time and time again again just sort of bearing our hearts bringing our needs laying it at his feet putting it in his hands time and again and god delights in answering such prayers so we are to persist in prayer when we bring our request to God, right, we need to have the right motive, but we also ought to be persistent in our prayer. It can't just be like, you know, I prayed about it once, God knows, or I prayed about it once and nothing's happening. I guess God just doesn't, you know, that's just not God's will. Maybe he wants us to persist in prayer, and he makes that clear in scripture here. But I want to continue on and look at our next verse that speaks to praying, and in particular, as so we pray, bringing our requests to God, and it's Mark chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 23 and 24. And here's what it says. Truly, it's Jesus speaking here, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. All too often, we ask for something, and then we sort of figure, yeah, I know God can do that. But is he really going to? And we don't really pray for something, ask for something in faith. And what Jesus is saying here is even if something seems impossible, right, using the example of here, here of a mountain just being taken up and just sort of tossed into the sea, right, how does that happen? It, it, it seems impossible, right? It would be utterly miraculous. Even those things that, that are sort of impossible for man, it's possible for God, of course, immeasurably possible for him. Even that which seems like it, it would take a miracle if we come before God right, in prayer, and we ask him for it. Again, we ought to be asking with the right motive, as we talked about, and certainly it needs to be in accordance with God's will, and we're going to talk about that later in, in our, our next verse. But if we come before God and we bring something to him and ask him for it, if we really believe that he's going to do it, then what, is, what does it say? Then, hey, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours, right? but believes, this is what he says, if anyone says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt, right, really believes it, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. If you pray for it, if you ask God for it, and you really ask in faith, and you really believe, then it will be done. Again, you need to add this qualifier, and we're going to get there in our our next passage, but yeah, it needs to be in accordance with God's will. If you just sort of say, ooh, you know, this passage says whatever I ask for, if I really believe it, right? Then it's mine. Well, then I'll just, why don't I ask for a for billion dollars? Now you could, that's probably going to be in the wrong motive category, uh, I'd imagine. Or why, why billion? Why not be the first trillionaire, right? Why stop there? Go, go even further. And you might say, well, this passage says, if I pray it, if I believe it's really going to come to pass, then it's mine again, right, we have to add the further qualifiers that we see in other verses. It's got to be the right motives. We need to persist in prayer. And the next one we're going to see is it needs to be in accordance with God's will. And I'd sort of venture to bet probably that's not in in accordance with God's will for him to give you a trillion dollars. I suppose it's conceivable and possible, but I'd sort of venture to bet that that that's not the case. But when we come before the Lord, and again, if we're praying for something that's in accordance with his will, right, and, and we ask for it, even if it sounds impossible, even if it's like, that would take a miracle. If we pray for it, right, it's in accordance with God's will, and we really believe he's going to do it, he'll do it. It's done. We're promised that. We are assured of that reality. But I think all too often our mindset, uh, at least in in sort of the American church, our culture is sort of we pray for things, you know, you think of the example, maybe someone's really sick, and they have cancer, and they're dying, uh, you know, and so, well, of course, you know, we're going to pray for healing, and pray for a miracle, but I think so often in the back of our minds is, of course God can do it, right, of course he has the power, we understand that, but I think all too often, we sort of limit God by saying in our minds, Is he really going to? Like, is this going to be the case where he works a miracle? And so we're really praying for something. And from the get go, we're praying without faith that there's any real sort of expectation or hope of him actually going and doing what we're praying for. And what we're told here is hey, if you're really doubting that, if you're not praying in faith, don't expect it to happen. Right? Don't expect to see that prayer answered. Don't expect to see that miracle, that healing in the example that we just used but for the person who prays it, yes, certainly understanding it may not be God's will. That's certainly possible. To use the example of of, of cancer and, and praying for that, yeah, it may not be God's will to bring healing in that case. But as we pray for something, right, if we pray, right, yes, understanding it may not be God's will, but really truly having faith and sort of having a sense of eager expectation to see God work a miracle, really understanding not only does he have the power to, but he delights and answering prayer, and doing wondrous things, and why not, right? We may not know God's will, but but why not? This very well may be in accordance with his will and his plan and purposes, and sort of to have that type of faith and that eager expectation that God's really going to show up and work that wondrous miracle and bring healing. And if it is in accordance with his will, he's going to do it, right? If we really pray with that eager expectation, with that true faith, uh, and of course, if it's in accordance with God's will, he will answer that prayer in the affirmative. Right, so as we think of bringing our requests to God, as we're talking about here, the importance of prayer and in prayer, bringing our requests to the Lord, right, we need to have the right motives. We've talked about that. We need to pray persistently, not just sort of, I'll mention it once and yeah, it's covered, done, but be persistent in prayer. But also we need to pray in faith. Right? If we pray and, and at the same time that we're praying, we're already sort of writing God off and saying, not going to happen, then it's not, you know, it really won't happen because we're not praying in faith, but we need to really have faith that God's going to come through and do it, if it be his will to do it. And now I want to go on to our our second to last verse here, this is 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15, certainly important ones as you think about the topic of prayer and bringing a request to God, and here's what it says, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to God's will, it's speaking of there, if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that, what we, ha- that we have the requests that we have asked of him, right? Right? That's a very significant qualifier here. It doesn't say ask anything and boom, it's yours. You could ask for whatever you want. You know, again, use the example, a billion dollars, trillion dollars, whatever it is, you know, the biggest boat in the world, that I be king over the whole world, whatever it might be, name it, right? It's not like whatever you pray for, it's yours, but no, whatever you ask for, it says, if we ask anything according to his will then he hears us and, and, and so forth and so on. Ultimately, he answers it. That's what it's saying. So there's that significant qualifier there that it's when we ask things according to his will, right? So it's not just sort of this blank check. You know, you fill in whatever you want and, you know, you can effectively control God and get whatever you want in prayer if you just pray and, you know, you believe it and whatever it is, whether it's in accordance with his will or not, you'll get it, Right? That, that's not ha- how things operate. We don't control God. He's the one in charge. He's the one who's sovereign. He's the one who's going to operate in accordance with his will, his plan, his purposes. We're not in charge. But when we do ask for things and they are in accordance with his will, and of course also meeting those other criteria of, you know, right motive, persisting in prayer, praying in faith, then God will answer those prayers. But we have to remember, it's not like anything we ask for, he's just going to give us, Right? he will answer prayers in accordance with his will, and we need to remember that. When it's in accordance with his will, he delights in in answering it, right? But of course, if it's not his will, he's gonna do his will and not what our will is, and we need to remember that. And now I wanna read our our last passage here as we're talking about prayer and the importance of prayer, the the power of prayer, and also sort of how we're to pray, right? Right motives, persisting, all these different things. So I wanna read for us James chapter 5, starting at verse 16, actually the last part of verse 16, not the whole verse, through to verse 18. And here's what it says, James writing, and he says, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And then he gives us an example here. He says, Elijah was a human being as we are, right? He's just a human, just like us, weak, just like us in his own nature and being. And yet Elijah, though just a human being, right, it says he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land, right? That's the power of prayer there. And then it says, he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit, right? There is great power in prayer. It can move mountains and toss them into the heart of the sea, as we saw in, in, right, Mark 11. I know that's sort of the proverbial for anything that seems impossible, yet it can be done in prayer, right? God is all powerful. So, of course, if he's all powerful and he's the one answering prayers, then anything can be done. That's the power of prayer. It is all powerful because God is all powerful. Not that we're in control of that power, right? God is the one who's in control. He does things in accordance with his will, his plan, his purposes. But if it be his will, there is nothing that he cannot do as he is answering our prayers. We can bring sort of the the most seemingly impossible prayer request before God that's just, you look at it and say, there's no way that can happen, right? That's just too great for prayer, as if prayer's not powerful enough. But if that be God's will, and if we come before him and ask him for it rightly, right, he will do it if it's in accordance with his will. That is the power of prayer. It is not limited by anything other than God's will himself. And, of course, we have to come before him in the right way and pray rightly, of course. But just as God is all-powerful, right, Prayer is able to affect anything. There is no limit to it, right? Only limited by God's sovereignty and his will uh, and him operating in accordance with his good pleasure and his will. But it's important to note, not only is it talking about here the power of prayer, but but it says a little bit more. And and what it says effectively is, is that sin impedes our prayers and its effect, right? He says, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And then he gives the example of Elijah, this upright person who's faithful to the Lord, living for the Lord, faithfully living in service to him. And when he prays as this upright person, right, God delights in answering such prayers, even if they're mind-blowingly, seemingly impossible, that it would just stop raining for three and a half years, right? That's what it says. And then, hey, to pray again for rain, and then boom, it rains, right? he's an upright person, praying, of course, in accordance with with God's will here, and yet, right, because he is upright, the effect is very powerful. There is great power in prayer. But, But what's implied in that is, well, if you're not such an upright person, even if you really belong to the Lord, you love the Lord, right, you're truly his child, right, you're truly a Christian, if you're sort of choosing to sort of rebel against the Lord at times in our lives, we sort of have our sins that we like to live in, whatever it might be, maybe it's some sort of anger issue or unforgiveness that you don't want to sort of let go of and extend forgiveness, whatever it might be, right? We sort of at times like to cling to our sins and sort of want to go down that path rather than be faithful to the Lord and be rid of that sin and live faithfully to him. If we're sort of doing our own little rebellious thing, right, living in sin, what this is saying is, well, you know, don't expect your prayers to be very powerful, For the person who's not particularly upright in his living and and not particularly faithful to the Lord, hey, that person's prayers are not going to be particularly powerful, right? You can't expect God, as you bring some prayer and request to him, and you're sort of saying, forget you, God, I I just kind of want to do my own sin thing. You can't expect him to bless your rebellion by answering your prayers, right? That that would be foolishness. Of course, he's not going to do that. If you're going to live in rebellion and then you suddenly have some request and you bring it to him, he's going to say, yeah, no, have it your way, forget about it, I'm not going to answer your prayer. You want to do your own thing and leave me on the side, then I'm not going to answer your prayers the way you want. But for the person who's faithful, who just has a profound heart for God and is living faithfully in service to him, that upright person, when that person comes before the Lord and says, hey, Lord, this is on my heart, and and you just bring that request to him, God delights in blessing that upright, faithful living with answered prayer. And so that's why it's said here, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And then Elijah's given as an example. But again, the implied statement of the prayer of a not particularly righteous person is not particularly powerful in its effect. And I think all too often in our lives, we might be praying for something. We're sort of thinking like, God, what, like, why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you answering this prayer? I, I would think that you would. And we seem to be looking at God as though he's the one who's sort of the breakdown in this prayer being answered, rather than looking at ourselves and saying, maybe I'm the problem, right? I think that seems far more likely, and indeed that would be the reality. All too often, we're sort of doing our own thing, living in our sin, sort of disregarding God, and then we have some need, and now suddenly we want some something to do with God, and we bring our request to Him, and then we're baffled when it doesn't get answered, right? And we shouldn't be baffled. We're sort of disregarding God, living in our sin, and we shouldn't be surprised when He doesn't answer our prayers, right? And so as we think about uh, bringing our request to God, that as we have any sort of worry or concern, some sort of anxiety, something that's just troubling us, or whether it's some sort of need or want, and we come before God in prayer as we're told to, right, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, as we look at at here, as we have those needs and wants and concerns as we bring them to God, we need to make sure that we're bringing them to Him. If we really want to have our prayers answered, we need to bring those requests to Him in a right way, and that means having the right motive, as we talked about, that means persisting in that prayer, bringing it to God time and again, day after day, just crying out to God for that request. It also means praying in faith, not sort of saying, Lord, do this for me, but then sort of saying, he's not going to do that. I, I know that's not going to happen. But no, really having true faith that he's going to come through. If it really is his will, he's going to come through and do it. But again, also understanding as we bring our request to God, ultimately he's going to operate in accordance with his will. He's going to answer prayers that are in accordance with his will, as we saw in 1 John and understanding that. But also, as we think of bringing our request to God, and sort of bring them to him rightly. We need to understand that if we want our prayers to be answered, not only do we need that that right motive to persist in prayer, to to pray really in faith, but also we need to have an upright life that sort of backs all of that up effectively, so that God delights in in blessing that upright life with wonderful answered prayer. Right? If we even if we try to check all the other boxes of. I have the right motive uh, I'm persisting in this prayer you know okay I, I really have faith but we just have that sinful life right and we're not sort of following after God then God's going to say I'm not going to answer it and so even as we think of prayer we need to as we think of coming before the Lord with prayer we need to pray rightly again with the right motives persisting in prayer in faith and sort of having that upright life that God delights in blessing with answered prayer I want to kind of come back big picture and say, so what's our application? We're sort of talking about prayer, uh, talking about prayer's importance and, and the power of prayer as well. And again, I kind of want to set it in our context, in, in, in our day and age right here, right now in the U.S., what's going on now. And again, also, as I said, what what really lays before the church? You know, I talked about how we're in the midst of, of tough times. There's an awful lot of friction and conflict uh, in our country. There's a lot of division. There's, there's anger, there's bitterness, there's hatred, and on on all sides, right, sort of from every direction, uh, and, and, you know, not only that, but we think of, again, the pandemic that's sort of still raging in parts of the country, even if it's better in some parts and getting better here in Massachusetts, uh, and we're in tough times, but then again, also thinking of what lays before for the church, what, what lays before us in the years to come. Uh, things are not getting ever increasingly better in the U.S. for Christians, but it's getting ever increasingly worse, and we're headed to tough times. And as we think of the troubling times we're in, as we think of the troubling times that lay before the church, I don't want our response to be, hey, we're self-sufficient, we're independent, self-sufficient American Christians, and we just got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and tackle these problems that lay before us, right? Now, I don't want us to think that that to pray means to have no action that goes along with it, but fundamentally, our mindset shouldn't be we can tackle all of this, all the troubles that we're in, all the troubling times that lay before us as a church, right? These are beyond our control. As I said, I, I can't take another breath. My heart can't take one more beat if God doesn't give it. That's the level of my inability on my own by my very being. That's my complete and utter dependence upon him. I can't think that all these troubles around me I can fix. I can't even exist for another moment on my own. These troubles are beyond my ability that we're in now and that lay before the church. And we need to recognize that and have a healthy biblical response of saying, we need to go to God. We just need to run to him in prayer as we look at the times we're in the times that are coming to say man these are these are concerning times these are are times that cause worry and and anxiety and fear for people right and we just need to run to God and say Lord we're just going to lay this all at your feet whether it's this pandemic Lord just bring healing literal physical healing Lord Uh, in our country. Bring things back to normal for all the people who are out of work and struggling financially, Lord. Uh, May the pandemic pass quickly and be at work and and bring healing so that then people can go back to work as well and provide for themselves and their family. Just bring wholeness in that or whether it's sort of all the tension and and sort of racial issues, Lord. Again, just bring healing. We don't want to see a country that's at odds with itself tearing itself apart uh, from the inside out where there's just anger and strife. And as I even mentioned, I think, in the opening prayer, that where I feel like also, too, there's on all sides a a twisting of truths and manipulation of things, and the media never helps. I feel like all too too often they have their own agenda, and they twist truths and and spew lies, and people buy into it all. And, And just to say, Lord, open up eyes to truth. Give wisdom. Give us hearts for others as well, not hearts filled with hatred and anger, but hearts filled with love that just want to care for others and be a blessing to others. Just bring great healing in our country and unity and wholeness where right now it seems like there's anything but that. Or, or looking to the days to come for the church, recognizing persecution is just going to increase and things are going to get tougher right? If we sort of feel uncomfortable now going out into the world and being mocked for being Christians and have a hard time sharing our faith because they might think less of us, how much more so is it going to be tough being a Christian when, hey, your life might be on the line or your job might be on the line just because of what you believe and that's all. Right, just for believing biblical truth and to recognize we're headed toward those times and to say, those are concerning times. And, and Lord, we need your help. We can't tackle this on our own. And just to come before the Lord and say, Lord, equip your church for those days. Give us faithfulness for the days that are are to come for the church. Give us just a heart for you, a a passion for you that we would be persevering to the very end and and even with our lives on the line that we would be bold witnesses for you and that that even in the midst of persecution your church might grow and move forward and and ultimately you might be glorified in it all. Uh, What I want for us is we think of the times that we're in, the times that are coming, but even for any other concern or worry that might be in your life or or need or, or want, Uh, just to have the response to, to realize this is beyond what I can do, right? I shouldn't just apply human strength to try to tackle this, but instead to realize I need to go to God. Whatever that concern is, that worry, that need, go to God, bring it to him, lay it at his feet, put it in his hands, right? Trust in him and receive wondrous, glorious peace. And as you bring those requests, bring them in the right way as we talked about, right motives, persisting in prayer, really believing that that God will really come through and do that if it is prayed, uh, if it ultimately is in accordance with his will. And again, ultimately also living an upright life that God might delight in blessing that upright living and faithful living with answered prayer. And so let's do that. Let's come before the Lord and literally do it now as we close our sermon with a time of prayer. Come before God, right? and bring our request to him and do so rightly. So let's pray. Lord God, we all, each and every one of us, have our, our own concerns right here, right now, our own worries, things that are sort of on our minds, on our hearts. We have needs, we have wants. Lord, and all too often, we do everything but go to you with those issues. We try to tackle it on our own, Lord, we think that we're sufficient, self-sufficient enough to handle it, but we are not. Lord, whatever those concerns and needs are, and in particular as we think of just our day and age and all that's going on, our country crumbling in so many ways, and for the church, ever-increasing persecution in this country and in so many parts of the world, Lord. We just want to bring it all to you in prayer. Lord, Bring healing in our country from a pandemic, from interpersonal division, racial division. Bring healing, bring wholeness, give wisdom, give knowledge. May truth shine forth. May people see it, Lord, and live in light of it. As we think of the days before us as a church, Lord, to prepare your church, we talked about last week thinking of the days that that are coming, that we need wisdom, Lord. Impart wisdom to us. Grow us in Christ-likeness. Grow us in love for you. Grow us in every way that when those times come ever increasingly, that we might faithfully be your church, even knowing the cost, Lord, that it may be great, that we stand firm and faithful to the end, that we would be faithful witnesses for you, that you would be glorified in that and that your church might as is so often the case, even though it seems contrary to what we might think, so often it's in the tough times when persecution is heaviest that your church grows the most. And may that be the case, that even as we see tough times coming, may you use it for the growth of your church, your kingdom, for your glory. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.